1: Hello, welcome to episode two of Cow Corner, uh, the sun's setting here in the UK on a wonderful week of Test cricket. Me and Glenn are here to reflect on that. How are you doing, Glenn?
2: I'm good, thank you. Yeah, really, um, really enjoyed that game. It's There's a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, it's. I don't know whether it's because like we haven't had cricket for so long and it's the only thing on at the minute, bar the mountains of football, but there seems to be so many storylines and narratives coming out of, of each Test match. But let me quickly go through what's happened uh, this week. Uh, England won by 113 runs. Uh, That was wrapped up just a few hours ago as the test finished in Old Trafford in Manchester. England first innings, we'll get all to this in in some detail. Uh, 496 for nine declared. Uh, Dom Sibley with 120 and Ben Stokes with 176. The anchors of that innings uh, with a bit of help from Butler and Best down the order. West Indies followed that with 287. Uh, England bowled them out for... All the bowlers chipping in, uh, Broad with three, Wokes with three, Cohen two, Best one and Stokes one. Uh, Brooks was 68 um, and Craig Brathwaite at the top of the order was 75 before a new ball spell by Broad brought the end to their innings. A fascinating England second innings in which Stoke and Butler opened the batting. Uh, so Stokes get 78 runs off just 57 balls to putting them in a position in which they could try and bowl the West Indies out. Uh, Root was there for 22 and Pope uh, a quick 12 as well. And then today on day five, the West Indies were all bowled out for 198. Uh, Brooks again with a useful knock of 62 and Blackwood at 55 were the only real defences from the West Indies as all the England bowlers chipped in again. Broad with three, Wokes two, Curran one, Best two and Stokes two as England won by 113 runs on what was a fascinating week of Test cricket. Glenn, immediate thoughts and feelings. Um, You know, the Test only wrapped up today, but how do you feel about all that? To be honest, Dan, I'm glad I'm not a selector because we have a real...
2: um, A real talented squad at the minute. You look at the bowling. um, I think the players who came in really justified their selections. Wokes, I know Dan's got a few things to say about him. I was really impressed by his bowling. Um, I also want to um, point to our prediction at the end of the last podcast. I feel pretty vindicated. I think we were pretty much spot on. I think we advocated for Broad coming to the team. I think we said dropping him was a mistake. He swung the game, I think, at two different moments, um, both in the first and second West Indies innings. Uh, he showed that passion. Um, and, you know, with a new ball, um, that really, um, really demolished the West Indies, especially in that first innings. Yes, the batting, my goodness. Do you do you think there's anyone uh, who has scored 120 in their opening uh, opening innings like Sidley and then hasn't hasn't batted in the second innings? I thought that was absolutely extraordinary. Last week we discussed, you know, these ongoing um, weaving plot lines. I think it would be a mistake to not mention um, Archer's mistake. I think which foreshadowed um, the start of this test. And what I think is really impressive about England is that could have derailed the whole thing, right? We, you know, as a whole, ball the whole bowling unit changed um, immediately. There's questions about the management, um, about why Archer was, you know, allowed to kind of do what he did. Why they didn't travel as a group, but. I think we should only spend two minutes on that because the thing to focus on is the batting, is the bowling, is the performance. Dan, just give me your thoughts on the on the Archer incident just before the test started.
1: Such a fascinating start to that that first morning of the test on Thursday, wasn't it? Because it was all such a shock to everyone. Um, I saw a tweet that Archer was out of the team, presuming he wasn't in the, hasn't been selected out of the 13, which took me to surprise. And obviously I read into it and that he had beach, breached uh, biosecure protocols. Um, I think in general there's been no sympathy for him Um, the ECB have quickly reprimanded him fined him, no ban for the next game everyone's kind of gone yes it was very silly I'm sure he acknowledges that he was very remorseful in the statement he he gave out and I, th- I, I totally agree with what you said about how well the England team reacted to it because Joe Root would have gone to bed on Wednesday night as captain with his team set that would have included Archer his plans all ready to go, and the team is ready with that eleven to go and try and beat the West Indies. Now, when that when a span is thrown into that the morning of a Test match, that kind of reverberates around the dressing room and into the West Indies dressing room, who are one nil up, um, looking at an England team. And I don't want to say a shambles, but you know what I'm getting at. It's it, it was a bit chaotic to start the morning. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's too much to reflect on on, on Archer. Uh, personally um, I think it was a mistake and we'll all get over it um, but I think it's actually you know we got to commend England for how well they kind of reacted to that situation brought in the replacement which I think was covered do you think that or was it Wokes <laughs>
2: Uh, that's 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 what I wasn't too sure because obviously the the Archer mission was a surprise and it's interesting to look back and think who wouldn't have played out of those two if Archer had been in the squad because I think they both justified their selection as we said probably Curran was the one to come in for Archer I'd imagine Wokes was really knocking on the door already but then they both bowled really beautifully and they really obviously it didn't work out for Wokes in terms of runs but they, I do feel more confident about our batting unit when we have when when we bat into eight and nine as opposed to a tail of you know four people.
1: How long was that tail? I mean, uh, we go from the last test with Bess coming in at eight, who, who got yeah. a useful 31 again, but I'm not I'm not quite sold in his batting just yet. To having Stuart Broad at 11, uh, a man with a Test hundred and who's actually come back into way more form with the bat since his issues um, with short ball after he got. Hit uh, against India, I don't know six or seven years ago. So that was that was great to see. Um, and I think um, this was just a really balanced bowling attack um, that was able to take 20 wickets. And everybody chipped in um, in both innings. As I said in the summary, um, no one took a fifer, but that you know that's I, I prefer that. I prefer to see everyone chipping in and a real bowling unit with a bit of difference, a bit of variety bowling out a team twice um i don't know what you think about that glenn about this being our most varied bowling attack
2: absolutely that's yeah that's focus on the bowling first because i think that's what won us the game um although obviously it was it was batting and bowling in tandem but yeah you know what it is wonderful to to wake up in my case with the time difference and see we need you know six wickets and to feel confident we're going to get them that's a really nice feeling it was for me it was never in doubt when i saw that the um that the West Indies opening a couple of batsmen were kind of blown away um, this afternoon in the test, because I ju- I could just see people like Broad and Wokes getting these wickets. It was really nice um, to see best chip in towards the end. I, I don't necessarily want to say weak link because he isn't as experienced as a lot of the other pros at the minute in the, in the England um, bowling attack. But, it wasn't until the very end, when it was quite clear, I feel that we were gonna that we were gonna win the match. That he was given the ball. I feel like when we were really searching for wickets, and when there was that wonderful combination of you know Brooks and Blackwood, who who really may have held us up um, if we didn't have as much confidence. I, I would like to hear your thoughts on the spin. I think. I think the the pace was brilliant. Um, Wokes moved it a lot. Stokes was just excellent. I mean, we'll, we can talk about him in a moment because he's just a machine. I just I just don't quite know how he is so consistent because he's not just consistently good. He's consistently outstanding. He, he He's 10 out of 10 is what we expect from him now, week in, week out, which is just silly. Yeah, but looking at it, as you said, we spread the wickets out. I like Sam Curran. I think he gives us something different. You know, he releases it from slightly lower. He often comes... Um, over the wicket as a left-hander. So I think he offers a lot. Yeah, I was I was really impressed. What what do you think on the on the spin situation? Would you keep Best for the next game?
1: Yeah, that's great. Let's start with Bess because I think like you said he not to call him a weak link, but he was probably the weaker of the bowlers in this unit. Such a fascinating one. Um because I th- I do still think we had quite a big discussion about this in 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 the first episode last week about his his position as number one spinner in the UK, and I think he is at the minute. Um, interestingly in the second innings where you expect your spinner to come on and sort of try and dominate like you said he wasn't given the ball that much I think that's just because our pace bowlers were doing such a great job the Jimmy Anderson end I think it was was the preferred end for everybody in the second innings um, for the way the pitch was behaving and actually the way the breeze was coming off the ground and Bess wasn't given that end until the end of the, the innings where he then picked up two wickets um, two really good wickets actually. So uh, he was given his chance and he took it. Uh, he didn't. For me, he bowled a little bit too full, a little bit too wide, and yeah. Toughers on TMS was saying he doesn't bowl it with enough flight and guile. He needs to really start trying to tweak it above the batsman's eye line, getting it to flight a bit more, and stop the. As a, as, a, as a right arm finger spinner bowling to a right hander, he was getting hit through the covers too much, in my opinion, because he was bowling it too full and the, seat, and the spin wasn't affecting. But he chipped in with those two wickets. And I was listening to him on Sky. He had a, you know, he was interviewed by uh, the guys at Sky. And he's such a great lad to listen to. Um, he's young. He wants to learn. He's hungry to learn. He was saying how he didn't feel like he held an end enough and was leaking too many runs. But was happy to come in at the end and pitch him with those two wickets. So oh, I'm really caught on him. Actually, I think there's a lot to improve, but I think he's the future for England spin. Uh, what about you, Glenn? I'm going to agree. I just, just especially as you were, you were saying it so well.
2: I've, I've got to agree with you. He, I feel like the more faith we put in him as, as an England team, the more he responds to that. I think he definitely likes, he likes praise, but he's not afraid to criticise himself, as you said with that post-match interview. You you mentioned earlier um, in the podcast that you weren't convinced by his batting, which I'm surprised by because I think he's as good a number 10 and he can bat higher up the order as I have seen because that 31 was really useful. You know, he's going he was it was a his strike rate was over 100. He really can come in and attack and he can put a real tired bowling attack to the sword if he's coming in late and can flash consistently bowling wise. That's the thing. That's why he's in the team. I wonder if we have, you know, a fully fit Jack Leach for the sec for the third test starting on Friday, do we bring in Leach? It would be, it would it would feel harsh on Bess, but this, this feels like a must win game. It feels like a must win series to really show how, um, how, how, how much progress has been made by this England team. I feel like you do have to beat West Indies at home. I love West Indies and they're a great team, but this is the fixture. It's not on Australia it's not you know even a south africa if they're in their if they're in peak form it, it really is a team you've got to be beating at home it's a tough one i just don't see him as that strike bowler yet whereas leach i can see i would just say given the ball on a you know west indies as you mentioned quite rightly batting fourth on a wearing pitch you would expect your spinner to do a bit more but that said he did take important wickets um, towards the end of the innings he did wrap it up well and as you said if he gets that flight right because it felt like he was over-flighting it or under bowling too short or far too full the the few few overs that i saw live um if he just gets that medium ground right where he can consistently hit a a length where he does go above the batsman's eye line dan and i being or we were i guess part-time spinners in our in our cricketing (laughs) days it's it's really interesting to look at the um to look at the um spin options for england right now i just love Leach i'm a massive fan of his so i wouldn't feel bad if he I would I would feel positive if if best stayed, but at the same time, if we're really looking to win that third test, do you turn to that little bit more of experience in the in the shape of Leach? I'm not sure, and then obviously we've still got Root, you know, knocking around, bowling when he does, you know pretty well but i do think there's a case for that spinner because we discussed this in the last podcast um especially if people weren't listening um first time around we, we were arguing whether or not there's a case to not play an actual spinner as such and just stick with root i think there's a case for the spinner you know what stick with best for that third one maybe just talking it out i think he's batting well he's positive he's got a lot to learn in the game if he plays a full test if he plays you know a full series of three games that will do so much for his confidence that's kind of where I'm at, at the minute.
1: Yeah, Oh, I think that's where I'm at. After literally after talking it out right now. <laughs> um, it's you know, I learned so much chatting to you, Glenn. But I, I think <laughs> I agree, uh, because Leach is a, a little bit older and let's I like Jack Leach, he's a club cricketer. Look at him. For goodness sake. He is not and this is no disrespect, he is not the man England are gonna be investing their time in, um, I think for the long term. So dropping Best now, it might knock his confidence a bit. He's done nothing wrong. He's done nothing wrong. Coming with the bat, as you said a couple of times, about that, I think he's not a good, I, don't, I wouldn't, I don't feel, I don't like him at eight, or maybe a nine or a 10. Um, I think we need someone stronger at eight. Um, but yeah, he's done nothing wrong. He's sort of, he's the spinner for the future, I think. So keep him going and he'll keep learning and that, that interview I saw him on Sky, he just seems so hungry to learn. Um, so yeah, good. Let's stick with Bess. Uh, Leach would turn it away from the right-hander. Oh, that's been the problem, hasn't it? There's been so many right-handers for the West Indies, and
2: then that's it. You had just you were just talked both of us into a really happy resolution, Dan. The end of your closing monologue we just had. But um, again, this goes, this goes back to what we said earlier, which is I do not envy the selectors. There is a lot of really hard decisions in every position. I think it would be hard to drop any of this team. Um, I guess turn towards just... Just wrapping up on the um, on the pace bowling. Did you have an uh, did you have one outstanding bowler, Dan, that really caught your eye, or do you think, as you said, it was a unit we all chipped in?
1: Stuart Broad, Stuart Broad, Stuart <laughs> um, Broad. Why was he not picked for that first test? <laughs> Episode one for you know for more. Um, what a guy, man! What a bowler, and he. You know, England bowling second after, you know, Sibley and Stokes had, had sent everybody to sleep for the first two days. He came in with his legs. Oh, we'll come to that. Um, his legs were pumping. He didn't, he didn't chip in early doors. Um, you know, the West Indies got to themselves for 100 uh, odd for two and Broad hadn't come in. And then that new ball spell where the game was about to die. It was late day four, mid-tea day four. And Broad comes in with that three for one spell. And changed the entire game. That won us the game. That yep. spell, Stuart Broad. Uh, and then the new ball um, at the start of the West Indies fourth uh, second innings and uh, fourth innings of the match. He started us on that way to bowl them out uh, and winning the match. So it's simple as that. And we'll, we'll come to Wokes um, in a minute. But um, you know, I want to hear what you think about Stuart Broad, his inclusion in this Test, his non-inclusion in the last Test, and what he offers as his England team and what what he still can for years to come. I, I love him,
2: and it's not just because um, there's a photo of me and him together when I was about 12 <laughs> years old. Neither of us look much different, which is a shame. Uh, I'm a massive fan. Like he's got the passion, and you know, you know, I loved his um, his defence um, or his argument for a, for a place in the team at Hampshire. I loved that he was furious that he was dropped. That really showed that he's not going to go away quietly. And because if you, honestly, if he had just been quiet um, and just you know taking it on the chin, as a lot of commentators said he should have um you know what it just didn't it wouldn't have shown the passion that he still has to be in england shirt he wants to be there as much as any of the younger members of the team um i have never doubted that for a second he bowled brilliantly i agree he changed the game with the spell with the new ball in the first innings he just he's unplayable at times when he you know he gets that glint in his eye um a lot of commentators have different words for it it's the the broad look along those lines but basically when he's furious he usually bowls very well uh you know he took out brooks um lbw when brooks was really looking towards getting a big score looking wonderful which we'll get on to talk about as a massive fan of brooks this test um and then he tore through blackwood and dolwich who really were um that rear guard i guess for the west indies batting they were looking to score and he just took them out so yeah big fan abroad bowled wonderfully keep him in for uh, injury obviously injury um accounting for how, his fitness i think he's got to come in and stay keep his keep his place in the third test
1: i don't think you can ever drop him now unless he's injured i think if he's fit you have to play him um it's these game-changing spells he can produce it's that yeah like you said each, each commentator seems to have a different um <laughs> phrase for that moment where broad is just on one basically maybe that's mine for it he's just on one right now he sort of glazes over and he's just in an absolute zone where you know he's going to get two or three quick ones and change the game it, you know it was day four we had a day lost to rain and it was end of day two hundred forty-four. For we chipped and chipped away and nothing had happened and then he just he, he put us in a position in which we could go out and bat and set the total that we did um and then having him come in at number eleven from a team balance point of view, you know, he's he's kind of useful with the bat again, which is nice to see. Um, so yeah, he he was fantastic, and let's just never drop him again. And we're sorry, Stuart. Um, you know, on behalf of the ECB, um, we're very sorry. Um, but they all worked in tandem, and, and let's come to to Chris Wokes, the wizard, the wizard from Birmingham. Fortunately, he's an Aston Villa fan, but otherwise, I am a huge fan of Chris Wokes and. Before we we started recording, we were chatting about how sort of underrated it is and underappreciated it is.
2: Yeah, he um, he just looks great whenever he comes into the team. People just forget about him. It's just I've I've not known a cricketer quite like it because he performs. Um, he he bowls wonderfully, especially as you know this classic idea of an english bowler i guess you could say who who moves the ball a little bit nips it around hitting those mid 80s um he always looks a threat his batting um we'll talk about the team's batting after this but his batting obviously didn't didn't happen um he got a golden duck but i don't think that mattered um especially at that point in the match which is which is a great thing that doesn't matter and yeah when you look at his figures like they're just really really um really impressive you know bowled 21 overs um 10 maidens um, he went. He had an economy of two in the first West Indies innings, and he picked up three wickets. So not only is he taking wickets, he's keeping an end tied down, which Dan and I love. We love our economy. Oh, love bowling. a
1: tied down end. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: and then second innings, again, he um, actually, well, Stokes was slightly tighter, but he had an economy of um, 2.12, um, which was the second best in the team in the second uh, West Indies innings. And again, he took another couple of wickets, very handy wickets um when they were needed and he just looked really up for it um it would be such a shame but it do you think Dan that there's going to be this classic Wokes moment where he performs well but he's outshone by Stokes so he isn't the man of the match and then he gets quietly dropped for the next game because Anderson etc which we'll talk about later have to come in and it'll be just another chapter of Wokes playing well doing his best and it isn't quite the right you know, right time for him, it feels like, which is silly, because we're both fans of his.
1: Yeah, I think it's ultimately going to happen, and I'd love to know, I I'll, won't I'll, I'll look at this afterward, and we'll come back next week with it, how many tests he's been able to play in a row, how many he's been able to string together, because like you said, he will he will get replaced for your Anderson, your Broads, your Archer, your Woods, um, and he always performs, and he averages something daft like 20 in England. I hear... Uh, uh, away from home his test figures aren't as great and they're, they're often quick to bring that up on Sky uh, but hmm. in the UK he's absolutely lethal and he's just I made this comparison to my mate earlier um, I want to know if, if you agree with it uh, tennis I'm going to move to tennis unfortunately Sorry, <laughs> everybody, but you've got it's your Federer, golf. Nadal, Djokovic, Chuck Murray in there as your top four Uh, this elite level of tennis and if you're anywhere in that top 10 you don't really get a look in but you're very good at tennis still but because these four amazing players have all come at the same time your chance of a grand slam isn't there wokes has come in the era of anderson abroad um and hasn't been able to sort of muscle his way in as a third seamer and so he's in and out of the team so much but will always perform he will always perform and he got his 100th wicket in this match and he's he's quicker to a thousand test runs and a hundred wickets than Stokes, Botham, and Sobers, the greatest all-rounder names in modern cricket. So I I, d- I don't know what's happening with him. Do you know what I mean? I just don't I don't know where he's going like where his career span is going to be. Is he there to take over from Anderson when he retires? Is he going to be him and Broad? I, I just don't know. There isn't an easy answer here, and the, another problem is he's, he's 31,
2: so he's it's not as if he's in his mid-20s pushing for a place in the side. I feel really bad for him. He's been doing this for years and no one's yeah. really noticed, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think he is unfortunate, as you said, to really be part of this team that has had so many iconic players and the number one iconic player at the minute is, is of course, Stokes. And then even before then, you, you know, we've had our Flintoffs in the bowling department. We've had Anderson Broad. It's been really hard um, for him to to break into that. And I just hope that we stick with him for the next game and that he's given an extended run. I think you're absolutely spot on. I would love to see how many is the longest unbroken run in the team, because it can't be very many tests in a row. He's just in and out. And isn't it isn't it exceptional how when he comes in it's not as if he's been he doesn't feel like he's been out of the team it feels like he's been part of it for months and then he's out again so yeah it's unfortunate for him we will uh, on Cal Corner we're gonna advocate for him week in week out
1: yeah can we make this a Chris Wokes like Stan account can we <laughs> can we just be all about Chris Wokes just tracking him whatever what he's doing if he's Wokes in or out of the team yeah let's have a, <laughs> a Wokes Corner. Um it's such a shame and and yeah, I think you know he's a genuine all-rounder and he's trying to compete against Ben Stokes. Um should we come on to Ben Stokes? Should we have a little chat about him or are we out of superlatives and should we just say he's extraordinary? You said it earlier actually, I think was spot on. He's hitting ten out of ten every test and we expect that and he does it.
2: Yes, I think um let's have a quick assessment of the England batting unit before I guess move across the West Indies um Stokes is part of that so Sibley he's he's I feel like he's the man at the moment what a test innings it was just wonderful I, I mean I just love that his strike rate was 32 because I feel and he got 120 runs because that is how we all feel how the purist feels about test cricket it's slow and steady he can still play shots uh, but he's he only had five boundaries in that in that time, so he wasn't scoring a huge amount of uh, of you know boundary shots. He looks like the opener we've been searching for since Straussy left. It's like finally we've got someone. I love Burns as well. Again, he wasn't you know particularly fortunate. During this match, he got 15, and I don't think he actually batted in the second innings. But Burns, I like a lot as well. I've liked him for a little while. And Sibley has just come in. And the the same way we're asking a bowler to tie down an end, he is just plodding away. He's tying down an end while he's batting. It's wonderful to see. And it, it comes in excellent contrast to the Stokes innings, which is fiery. It's all action. But at the same time, I think... Probably everyone watching the game thought that Sibley's 120 was just as important as Stokes' 176. And in tandem, I mean, that is just exceptional. And it's so exciting for English cricket.
1: It was so, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. It was, we're purists of the game, I like to think. (laughs) Um, I love that sort of stuff. And I was watching it in my flatmate, who's into the cricket. He he really likes it, but he's struggling with this sort of, it 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 was two really attritional days of cricket. Um, I think it was genuinely hard to score in. Um, the West Indies didn't bowl well by any means. Shannon Gabriel came out like a, and his radar was broken. But they were tricky <laughs> conditions to bat in, which is why it was so slow. And like you said, it's, we've been calling out for it for so long. The last thing I want now is people to start badgering him about his strike rate. Because, you know, he made 120. The last thing I want is Keaton Jennings prodding around for 20 and then nicking off. I want Bomb Sibley in batting for two days. And just getting the runs that we need. And this test was, I said it was won by broad spell at tea, and it probably was, but runs on the board, runs on the board, runs on the board. That first innings, get those runs on the board, and you can dictate the match from there. And that's exactly what we did. And it might have felt a bit slow, and it might have been a bit ugly on the eye at times, and a bit boring. But what Stokes and Sibley did was set the match up for us to win it, simple as that. And we haven't had an opener that can do that for for a long time. Stokes, we can, we we know what he can do. And this was a slow innings on on his part as well. You know, lasting 300 balls is a lot for him. Um, you know, that kind of concentration. And he sped it up after he got past the, the 100 mark. Um, but it was great to watch. And you know, it might have been a bit boring, but it it won us the match. I think we batted
2: West Indies out of winning the game in our first innings. I mean, if we're getting near 500 and declaring. Not only is that a confidence boost to our own batsmen and our own team, we've exhausted the West Indies bowlers. We've exhausted the all-rounders. They've been out there for a long time. And across the board, it just looked really tidy. One thing i like to come to, Butler. Josh Butler is someone we discussed in the first episode. He didn't quite get his big score. He did his classic Josh, got his 40. And then, unfortunately, Moving to the second innings, um, it was absolutely wonderful to
1: see Stokes and Butler coming out for a test match. I mean, that is... I I was so excited. I've never been that excited in my life, I don't think. When they they walked out and they're like, England have sent out Stokes and Butler to open. Yes, please, give me that content. Obviously, that was there because day three was washed out and they were trying to enforce a result. I think, you know, hats off to them. They did an unbelievable job in that third innings. But yeah, how exciting was that? Unfortunately, Butler dragged on and... I kind of saw it coming a little bit. I
2: agree, because it's just it's like many sports, when you're informed, things are easier. And when Stokes and Butler walked out on paper, you would think either of them would do just as well opening in a in a in a test, you know, getting really quick runs. But something just told us, I think, just subtly, that Stokes was going to get there, bat the runs, knock West Indies really hard um, in that second innings, whereas Butler. I hoped he was going to do well. And then I just the same as you. I wasn't surprised. Very unlucky dismissal. Like it's obviously down as bold roach, but he was swinging way outside off, uh, cut onto his own stumps. And, you know, a quick fire 50 would have just put everyone's minds at rest because a 40 and a 50, he's averaging 45. There you go. That's what you want from your number seven, obviously opening in this context. But, it was disappointing. He, he, his keeping was very tidy. He took that excellent catch in the West Indies second innings that turned the game around. So I liked his keeping. I think he's pushed that up a notch. So I want to keep him around. I think Forty's good. I think he's unlucky. You know, it was, really was a roulette coming out to open um, and just attack. Yeah, um, before we move on to West Indies, any other thoughts on England batsmen, your cruel leisure popes, anything there, Dan? or we'll just see what happens next game.
1: Yeah, well, I think when... When the top five, so Sibley down to Stokes, when they get the amount of runs they do, um, and we've commended Sibley, when all you need then is one of your Popes, uh, Butlers, Currens, we had a really long tail, two of those other five, uh, six bats if you include broad, just to get a little knock. And we did. Uh, Butlers 40 didn't look great, but it was very useful. And Bess's 31 dragged us to that 450 plus mark. That's all you need. That's why I think this England team looks so well set up is that I see big runs in that top five. I can see one of them going big and then you just need two or one of that lower order to chip in as well. So I think it's a balanced batting lineup. Um, my one concern is that it's a touch one paced uh, Sibley and Burns Crawley. We've not seen, we've seen a couple of mature innings from him. He struggled this match. Uh, second innings, he was having a hack as the rest of the team was Um and first innings, a really silly golden duck. Actually, that was quite a poor dismissal. Um, just sort of prodding at one to leg slip that he knew was there, um, and gave chase another wicket. We'll come on to him because I, I really like roston chase. So yeah, I think it's a balance. I think it's a great looking batting lineup, and there's big runs in there which excites me.
2: Yeah, I'm going to agree, and I'm very looking forward already to our end of the show squad prediction because that we're gonna to have to set aside a couple minutes than usual
1: <laughs> good luck with that should we move on to the west indies yeah, and see how they got on it. this week let's start with their let's start with their bowling because that was the first thing we got to see holder won the toss and decided to bowl which made sense looking at the day right looking at the conditions and looking at what they wanted to do perhaps in hindsight Uh, he might have changed that tosses are bit boring to talk about so let's move on to their bowling they started so recklessly Gabriel poor Shannon Gabriel don't know how old he is but he looks stiff as a board out there he was (laughs) just a cold day in Manchester uh, you know a man with a slightly tight back and you know a tight hamstring was really struggling Um, (laughs) and he bowled five wides which was our first runs of the innings that were were unbelievable and he bowled a couple of harmisons as well, just straight to <laughs> second slip. So he looks extremely weathered. Um, and it, for me, it set the tone. They, they they didn't bowl well. They had control over us while Sibley and Stokes were in because they weren't getting away. And the outfield was so slow, they couldn't hit fours. So the West Indies had plenty of control for that first innings until they were both, uh, Sibley and Stokes both got to their turn and you knew a big score was coming. I just don't think they bowled that well roach was all right uh joseph was all right roston chase got himself five i really like roston chase he seems to be our kryptonite england he just used nips people out and he got burns and crawling consecutive deliveries and you know set the west indies up for a nice looking you know time until until stokes and Sibley got in so i just don't i just don't think they bowled that well few drop catches uh yeah i kind of expected this maybe i think we as you know because we predicted that england would win not for west indies fault because they played so well but i actually think a lot you know they didn't help themselves out of this test match
2: i'm gonna agree and i think the depth of the squad um you can really attribute this to you know west indies not changing whereas england had wholesale change and that showed you mentioned uh gabriel looking like he did it done it'd the disc or something in training because he uh he was looking pretty uh pretty rough trundling in and he is an excellent bowler and I really like him and he was so exciting in that first test and so dangerous and then suddenly he's bowled two innings got zero zero wickets in the in the match and he's been hit around uh roach i liked his economy was 1.7 in the first innings, which is really impressive bowling, especially bowling 33 overs. That's a lot for a for a pace bowler. Chase, you were quite right to point him out. He got a Pfeiffer, which I loved. He bowled 44 overs. So two T20 innings way over that in a in a in a is a lot. And that was just the first innings. He uh, there was I think they were just tired. That is what you got to put it down to. You know, the conditions suited more like the English style of bowling more. I think it, it, it suited nipping around in those mid 80s as opposed to all an pace, which the West Indies are so good at. And I think Chase getting the most wickets out of any bowler really spoke to that. Roach obviously came in with a couple in the England second innings. But when you're looking at these economies, I know they were hitting um, for a reason. England is hard to judge, but just for a test match, Roach, economy of six, Gabriel, six, Holder, eight and Joseph, seven. I mean, that is that's rough reading for any for any team in any test match. That's really unfortunate. So, yeah, it was disappointing. It wasn't the West Indies we saw in the first test, um, especially in terms of bowling. And I think we've got to put that down to rotation for England
1: and a lack of for the West Indies because they struggled. Yeah, this this match coming so close to the game in Southampton, it, it's tough for a touring team, and like you said, a touring team with not that much depth in the bowling attack by the look of it. Uh, Ian Bishop was on Sky saying there's a few guys that can come in, but they're really inexperienced, and it, it would be it would have made no sense to throw them in into a game in England where you're one nil up, and perhaps even less sense for the next game in which they're now one one needing to win to um win the series and retain the wisdom trophy so that is definitely their struggle they've got rakeem cornwall big rakeem cornwall um the off spinner who i hope comes in because he's he's a funny looking guy um and a funny kind of cricketer but you know he averages i think somewhere in the 20s bowling um in in, in his first class uh, career and he's useful with the bat as well so maybe he'll come back in but yeah they, they were just very wayward um in that first innings and didn't bowl enough threatening balls and and john Campbell's um drop of Stokes in in England's second innings a really easy catch um could have had Stokes out for i think it was twenty or maybe forty I can't remember now but either way that would have really changed the complexion of of how many runs West Indies could have chased maybe um and saw sort of the whole mood of the team when you drop a catch like that and you see Ben Stokes go and tonk it around for another thirty um so yeah, they were sloppy, they looked a little bit flat in the field, and those first innings runs meant, as you said, they couldn't win the game from there. Um, yeah,
2: I'm I'm going to agree, and do you think it was the wrong decision then, Dan, to, to have a bowl first?
1: Easy to say in hindsight, um, because it was, it was a really cloudy, dark day, both first two days were, but... There was very little lateral movement of the ball for anybody. So, you know, the ball wasn't swinging. It was a pretty flat deck. um, Didn't offer much spin. Um, When the ball got soft, sort of after 60, 70 overs, it really wasn't doing much. It looked really hard work. And England bowled really, really well to get those 20 wickets. They went through phases of bowling, exclusive bouncers, and they obviously had a few tactics that I don't think the West Indies had. And that's why England took 20 and the West Indies only took... 13 wickets was it
2: it wasn't Um, many
1: absolutely Um, we were four we were four and nine on on our decoration so yeah they, they they were pretty flat they didn't seem to have a plan b when the ball wasn't doing much
2: yeah variation is the issue there uh and then, yeah, as you said, I really hope Cornwall comes in. I think he's a really exciting cricketer. Although that does beg the question with, obviously you can't drop Chase, him bowling and batting so well. Are they going to play two spinners? Is that two yeah. full spinners?
1: Yeah, I think they will. I think Chase is just more of a batsman anyway. Coming in at five, he's their Stokes, if you will. You you can play Chase as just a batsman. And you're definitely getting to turn his arm over because he just has a knack of getting wickets. Um, If we come onto to the batting, we we spoke last week about how before this series there was a lot of chat about how fragile this 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 batting lineup is, and we just didn't see that in the first test. I think we we're all kind of taken aback by that, but we really saw it in this test. Um, we saw the quick collapse at the start, we saw a quick collapse in the middle, and that shows that all around they're just not they're not quite there. John Campbell, the opener, looks so organized at the crease. He looks really like a, a good player, but made just twelve and four. Brathwaite looked nice in the first innings, with 75. Um, he's sort of a bit of a Sibley player. He can he can hang around for a while. And then you look at uh, Dowrich, the wicketkeeper. Uh, he made he had he bagged a pair actually, uh, two ducks. And you just see, you know, sections of the West Indies batting lineup that will collapse uh, if Broad's on a spell. or... Wokes is on a spell or if the new ball was doing something and we saw that in this innings uh, in this match rather and they were in a great position they were 2 240 for 4 if they would batted out the rest of that day this, this match should have been drawn but but they collapsed and that was the beginning of the end
2: i've got to agree with you i think word for word there campbell you described him so well he's a tidy player he looks like he knows what he's doing he looks confident in the crease and then he's out um yeah reminding me of denley a little bit there yeah um in that in that sense Frustrating because I really like him as a cricketer. Uh, my standout batsman for the West Indies was Brooks, who got two scores of over sixty. He was the the linchpin of both um, innings. He held it together with some useful runs from Chase, especially in the first innings, and he looked classy. I really liked his stroke play, some clever drives, were really smooth on the eye. Uh, he was he was my standout player, and as you said before, it was like bits and pieces. No one got a century, no one got a ton, which I think is the biggest issue because England in the first innings, we had two Centurions. If the West Indies had just had one, as you said, if they had one more partnership, if Brooks had pushed to hundred, uh, if Chase had got, you know, in the eighties, instead of 51, we'd be looking at a drawn game, losing a day to rain, but they couldn't quite do it. And there was some naive stroke play. There were some unfortunate shots. But again, you've got to look to England's bowling and say, we earned those wickets. Not a huge amount of them were thrown away. A couple of loose shots, but the same amount I would say as England had when we were batting. So I would say it's more a reflection of England's bowling than than shortfalls in the, in the West Indies batting. But it is frustrating because from the position, losing a day to rain, and you know trying to win this series, which would be fantastic for the West Indies as a you know cricket playing team internationally, beating England away from home would be huge. It's frustrating they couldn't eke out, they couldn't eke out a draw. I almost you know, wanted them to, to really make that third test. It's already, you know, beautifully set, but to really put the pressure on England to have to win that third test, it was a shame that West Indies couldn't get a draw. And I think it goes down to tired bowling, uh, lack of rotation and just not enough consistency in that, in that batting lineup. It was, it was almost scores. It was the sixties and seventies without that ton.
1: Those starts are so frustrating. If you're a West Indies fan, um, Brooks, especially Carlos Brathwaite on, on TMS, um, Noted in both of his innings, once he passed 50, his strike rate really collapsed and he sort of went into his shell, struggled against the short ball bowling that was targeted at him and couldn't then go on. And I think the main issue why they why they lost uh, lost this test is, as you said, there were starts from places. It needed one person to back it up. In the first innings, Brooks 68 and Chase 51 shared a lovely partnership. But then Blackwood, zero off 12 balls, Darwich, zero off 11 balls. Holder, two off 19 balls. There's your collapse and there's your quick all out. In the second innings, that great partnership between Brooks and Blackwood. This time, not supported by Dowrich in next. Holder in with a 35, didn't hang around too long. And Chase with six. You know, they need that one extra partnership. And that's all they needed. The, all they needed to do was draw this test and they retain the Wisdom Trophy. Um, Even if they lost the last test, 1-1, one, one, they'll take it back with them. And it's it, it would have been great for them. And they were just missing one more partnership, and I just oh I'd be so frustrated if I was the West Indies fan to see where they were T on day four two forty for four, you know be boring block it out and see that draw out and you're going away with with the series retained or won. Um, that's I say that's all they needed to do. Um, there was some very good England bowling. Um, like you said, they, they didn't give their wickets away. There was some good England bowling, but I was surprised to see this batting collapse after the first test and it's kind of what people were saying before the first test that would happen to the West Indies and we've seen that.
2: Yeah it's a shame and I I think it's fair to say that when the mini collapse happened and they lost a couple in that second innings in the middle when they lost the Dowich and Chase cheaply um, no one really had the confidence whether it was in the commentary team was watching on Sky or whether it's TMS was dipping in and out of it no one felt like the West Indies were going to bat out 20 overs, even with maybe six or seven down. There was zero confidence, which I thought was strange because, yes, they're they're long evening sessions, don't get me wrong. 20 overs is a lot of time to bat out as a lower-order batsman. But it just felt like there was an implication that England had already won which I didn't really like because it was – I mean, it was justified. I mean, that's probably why, because they couldn't. But it just felt like, oh, we only need another three, another two, another one. Zero chance of the West Indies actually, you know, like a Roach or a Joseph. Joseph just came out and they were like, oh, this this could be the person that gets his head down. He could actually just not hit it wildly. Absolutely slap Stokes to Bess at um, Gully, dreadful shot. Um, and then you're not going to get anything from Gabriel, who has a test average of – 4.4 4. um oh, that's so he's rough. and he's played he's batted a lot of innings it proper was a really rough, end, yeah. rough
1: stat yeah, <laughs> i really felt for to Shannon
2: yeah so yeah what could have been is probably the way we can summarize the west indies batting and their bowling to an extent it's like not bad not disastrous but not enough to win a game away from home
1: yeah i, I, got, I want to bring up that point you mentioned actually of giving England the game it, that's what i got and like i said i was dipping in of both tms and sky the coverage in the uk and uh obviously we got we got them four down pretty quickly and even then i was like right sorted um we'll, we'll be fine um and then that partnership of 100 comes together and even at five down once once stokes nipped out uh is it brooks anyway once once stoke blackwood. broke that partnership with blackwood once yeah. stoke broke that partnership the the coverage is back to right this is just a formality now and i thought hold on uh, you've got Jason Holder coming in at eight with a double with a Test double hundred. Let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves. And even when
0: yep.
1: Pope took that stunning catch um, to win us the Test, there was a sense of yes, there we go, done. And not there, wow, yeah. well bowled England. West Indies could have really hung in there, and they nearly did. They were 15 overs away from drawing that game. There was zero tension,
2: which was strange for a test match on the fifth day when we've lost a day of play. It was it was so unlike, you know, the South Africa test where we had so many photo finishes and there were so many, you know, we're running out of time, overs, two batsmen left. There was none of that. It was it was it felt a bit like a friendly in that sense. And that was strange. Justified because they didn't
1: hold on but at the same time yeah zero tension which uh, which i thought was was a bit frustrating do you think perhaps that's down to the the lack of crowd in there and maybe that rubs off on the media guys as well who can't quite get themselves up for you know 15 overs left the guy just called last hour of play they do the thing where they tap the watch yes i love that i didn't realize they did that a little bit weird classic cricket anyway he does that and you're like right okay i know gabriel's in the averages four but still weirder things have happened you know, Stokes last year, Anderson and Panasar in Cardiff. Weird stuff's happened, right? And they were just like, Pope, take this amazing diving catch. Like, yep, there we go, England win. And maybe it's the lack of fans in there that even for the players made it just feel a little bit like it's not that big a deal.
2: I couldn't agree more. And I think just while we're on the crowd subject, I think, A, it's amazing how we've managed to have two really, really, competitive close to an extent really close um tests without a crowd i think that is that's really showed the passion of the players i think the players have really stepped up on both teams to really make it feel like a real in-person test in in many ways but that's the shortfall and that really makes me worry i was having a chat to a friend this morning about this that really makes me worry about t20 you know, with no fans, because we've all been to a few T20 games in person. Half the fun for me is the atmosphere, is the crowd, is having a few beers, it's just relaxing. I don't know how T20s are going to go with no fans there. I think that's something for us to watch out on. I think one day internationals, it's close enough to test, you know, if you're, you're playing 100 overs, it's slow paced enough that it will work. But yeah, I'm nervous about the shorter form of the game. Uh, I think that could could be lacking.
1: Yeah, I hadn't thought of that, actually. That's really interesting because I feel like T20 was made for the fans. It was made to get people watching cricket again. It was made for kind of, you know, the flares going off and balls flying out of the park. And it's like the Ryder Cup in golf. They're, they've no, they're not doing that because there's no fans going to be there. And there's no point in the Ryder Cup if there are no fans there. It's made for the fans. It's made for the atmosphere. I feel like T20 is really similar to that. And I agree, I think 50 overs will be all right um, because it, it feels like one day's worth of test cricket that has a result at the end because there's so many overs. So that'll get away with it. But it be fascinating to see it come back and, you know, watch Morgan just flip one off his pads into 20, 30 rows back and just nothing happens. a chair. Like, yeah, just no, yeah, you hear the thud of a chair folding down. and they're <laughs> Like, right, okay. What, how am I supposed to feel? Even watching at home, I'm like, I need to see people, you know, well-oiled cheering that. two two quick points on that before we before we move on towards wrapping
2: up number one i think the 100 organizers will be delighted if there's two people there including the grounds people so that's (laughs) fine 100 won't notice uh and secondly dan your thoughts that the t20 world cup has been suspended today any any strong thoughts on that probably the right decision with with travel being so hard and it not being particularly safe in pandemic
1: yeah, the right decision for sure. Um, what I only found out in reading about this is that there's a tw- there was a T20 World Cup due exactly a year after. I- is that not insane? What, the ICC have lost their head. Why are, they, why are we having so? And then the year after, there's a 50 year over World Cup because that's I think that's always in a four year cycle. So that that makes sense and that's in India, I think. But why are they put two 2020? <laughs> how am I supposed to? How are, how are the cricketing public supposed to differentiate these two World Cups? and then differentiate a 50 over world cup why are they just chucking them in with no regard for sort of time frames
2: i agree and it's strange and how it will almost feel like that first one is a warm-up right because if the holders if you win if you win it in 2021 uh and you know you're going to be buzzing it's, it's a fantastic achievement but if you're gonna have to defend it barely 12 months later it doesn't have the same appeal does it imagine if we had two football world
1: cups within like a year of each other it'd be total nonsense you to be bored of it as well you need yep. that the beauty of events like that is they're four or two years apart um yep. i think the the t20 is two years apart but even watching when we were in lockdown and, and sky had a lot of the highlights on there were world cups i don't even remember from like 2014 like some random t20 world cup i was like geez i don't even remember this it's because it's so condensed in but i think the icc are just trying to make as much money as they can constantly that's probably what it is um it'll be differentiated by the fact i think the first one's in australia then the second one's in india and then the 50 over world cups in india that is off the top of my head though. I, I don't know but right decision to move it because it wouldn't feel right again if there weren't fans there it feels a little bit soon um like with all things post-2022 2021 2021, by the way huge year for sport let's look forward to that shall we um yes olympics euros cricket golf if you're a sport person it's going to be an exciting year get your subscriptions in that's all i'd say (laughs) Uh, save some money
2: for that yeah uh i totally agree moving on i guess to towards the end of the podcast we're gonna be looking at the um the squad and the, the starting 11 for Friday. This is the hard conversation. I've been so looking a quick forward turnaround,
1: to it. Isn't it? Friday's test coming up. Really quick turnaround. Um, let's do what we did last week. I'll let you go first, Glenn. Give me... Let's rack off our starting 11s really quick for England. And then just discuss the sort of permutations. Oh,
2: all right. So, batting, we're going to keep on changed. Burns, Sibley, Crawley, Root, Stokes, Pope, Butler. Now... The all-rounder slash bowling is where we're going to struggle a little bit at the minute. And I'm very open to um, to changing this. It's not set in stone. I would keep Wokes because we are the Chris Wokes podcast. Yep. Uh, I would – we've talked ourselves into keeping Bess, so I feel like I've got go <laughs> with that. Although I can see Leach coming in, I will say Bess at the moment. Definitely keep Broad. And then I think I would swap Curran for Anderson which slightly weakens our batting. But I feel like if Anderson's fit, he's got to play. We saw, I think, Broad's undroppable. Well, I don't like the word undroppable, but I think it would be a mistake to drop board after this performance. I think that would show some naivety from the selectors, and it would really annoy him. <laughs> uh, it'd be rant part two. <laughs> the it'd be throwing stuff at the umpires on the boundary. He'd just
1: be um, anything for his hotel balcony. <laughs>
2: That's kind of where I'm at. I would love a discussion on the case for bringing a wood or an archer, a real pace merchant in. Dan, what are you thinking with your eleven?
1: So yeah, um batting is absolutely the same. Uh stick to it. And not saying we haven't got depth in batting, you know, you got Dan Lawrence and James Bracey waiting in the wings, but there's absolutely no call at the minute for any batsman to change. Um, I think for the Pakistan series as well. I imagine that will stay the same. So, yeah, let's move on to the bowlers. And as the Chris Wokes podcast, he stays. Um, so he's uh, eight, best at nine, uh, and then Broad and Anderson. So that's the same team that you've suggested, um, which kind of sucks with the bait. Let me chuck it in there. <laughs> if, if we weren't the Chris Wokes podcast, I think England would really like to see an attack of Archer, Broad and Anderson together. Um, you lose a bit of batting there. So, you, you know, Archer's not shown much with the bat in, in test cricket mm-hmm. yet. And Anderson's obviously a pure number 11. So you go Archer 9, Broad 10, Anderson 11. That's not so bad. You expect your top end to do the to do the batting. So let's not worry about that. But I think England would really like to see those three play together. Have those three played together before? Oh, that's a great question. I, this is a bit of research for after, again, with the Chris Wokes thing. Because I think... What I find so strange at the minute about the bowling attack um, is that we have all these bowlers fit at the same time because they've had so long off. They're all fit, which is so rarely the case. So England have a great luxury at the minute to rotate. Now, Anderson has to play, right? It's home ground. He's got an end named after him, for goodness sake. Get him out (laughs) there. And he's fit. So he's had his rest, and I think he'll come back. And Archer well, he was probably due to play and then rest the third one. I don't understand what's going on with all this resting and, and rotation. I understand why they're doing it, but there seems to be no consistency over it. Who's in? Who's I ag- I agree. Um, And we, we, we sped past it at the start of the podcast quite,
2: quite rightly, I think, you know, um, archer stopping off in hove on the on the way home i and... knew he went
1: into it, maybe i don't know maybe he drove past me <laughs> for, for listeners um who
2: don't know uh i lived in hove last year and now dan has moved into a house that's basically backs onto r one we pretty like, much 30 seconds so away I couldn't get
0: enough
1: of, of glenn's life last summer <laughs> so you know i was like yeah i can get a flyer
2: uh i was wondering what he could have done in hove for, for two hours which isn't much we thought Not it might much. be a quick pint in backbeat bar
1: oh, i don't know there's plenty of brunch places so maybe, <laughs> baked, maybe baked for a nice like you know brunch i don't know they do a cracking sourdough loaf so i don't blame him for coming out of the bubble for that sourdough
2: <laughs> there you go there's a title um, <laughs> bubble sourdough uh But do you think? I think it might be a mistake, and I'm not, I'm honestly not one for draconian, you know, law and order, harsh punishments, but I think it might be a mistake to drop someone like Wokes or even Curran to an extent for Archer. Do you think bringing him back for that third, for that third test would show that maybe I don't want to say we've been too easy on him because no one needs, you know, a week in the hotel by themselves. I do feel for him in that regard. But do you think it would send a message that? you know, this whole bubble stuff isn't as, you know, isn't as important as, you know, people like Giles have said. Do you think, do you think it would be too early to bring him back, I guess is the question I'm getting at.
1: I think it would be. I'm surprised. The fact that they have announced his punishment as a fine and no ban suggests that he's going to definitely be in this third test because... If they wanted to ban him, they would have. They'd have sent him home and he'd have come back for the Pakistan series. So he's definitely going to be playing. Is it? Is it kind of demeaning the whole system? No, I think he's been fined. Everyone's given him a stick for it. The West Indies are, are content with the, the, the safety measures and everyone's just going to move on from it, I think, is what they want to do. Um, as for dropping Curran and Wokes, um, Archer and Anderson coming in, I think poor guys, they're kind of used to it. They're kind of ready for it. Um, as we mentioned earlier, Wokes is just the champion of being in and out um, and is used to it. And Curran is the same. He's played 18 test matches, Curran, which I find quite a lot. Um, he's, he doesn't seem to be around for that long. And Curran always comes in with useful wickets and Wokes bowled marvelously. And I, I can just see Archer getting naught for in the first innings in the third yep. test. People wondering why Wokes or Curran aren't playing instead. So um, listen that's what I think will happen that is that is pure um, you know conjecture but as for your question I think the ECB want to want to put this to one side and everyone just move on with it I think just yeah just following up on that I like that
2: I, I, I it was more just throwing the question as a debate I like that he's not um, you know that they haven't been unnecessarily harsh Likewise. I think They have stated the possible consequences of it, and he is very much aware. And he's a young guy. Like, at the end of the day, people are going to make mistakes. It's not particularly fun not seeing friends, family for this prolonged amount of time. (laughs) I don't know if five days playing Fortnite in his hotel is going to be great for his fitness. (laughs) That is also a question mark. He's
1: been on an enforced lockdown for a yeah, week. You watched him on Twitch. I tuned in once. He played Call of Duty and he was on with, I think, Sakib Mahmood and they, they were quite <laughs> fun, actually. Um, but yeah, I think a little bit of bowling and a lot of. Uh, they've got an F1 simulator in the bubble as well. So maybe a bit of that as well. I don't know if that's his thing. um
2: Yeah, okay. So we are, even after our debate, we are basically on the same page they're down we've said the same starting 11s mm-hmm. pretty much independent of each other and we would keep wokes and we would pretty much just bring in anderson for current yep. that's that's yep. to be the
1: the sense there but West would be going to play archer and yes. i think we'll lose our beloved chris for this one yep. um we can be it can be the chris wokes Memorial podcast next oh week. yeah next week we'll just talk about him and just ignore the match <laughs>
2: uh west indies i'm going to be honest i don't know their wider squad well enough to have a really informed opinion on this i would love to see cornwall who i have seen play a couple of times he is a he is quality bowler he'll offer something different in that attack i would bring him in if if it was um A straight swap, him and someone. Who would you be? Who would you be letting having a rest there? It's it's got
1: to be Shannon because I just don't think his body can take a third test. I think, I think he they'll, might snap. they'll have to yeah, they'll have to wheel him out on on some on a, on a wheelbarrow or something. I think so. <laughs> I think get Rakim in there. He offers something really different with the ball, and he's, he obviously bats uh, a lot better than Gabriel. So I, I there's no way Gabriel's gonna be fit. Um, they might bring in a young fast bowler that we, we're we not aware of I think I'm the same I'm, I'm not sort of um, privy to the the West Indies depth of their squad um, unfortunately but the changes I think will only come from the, the bowling attack for them as well uh, even though Campbell and Shy Hope have looked really quite poor um, I think they might probably stick with them for one more test um, and yeah give rap Shannon Gabriel up and bubble wrap and let him enjoy a week off and he can go back to to the caribbean uh yes. just soon and just sort of rest his, his aching bones i guess
2: <laughs> yeah i'd I, I, yeah as you said a wheelbarrow will be appropriate if he uh, if he's forced to to bowl oh. another another painful spell oh. <laughs> i mean on a, a, a frosty summer in england I might just <laughs> that's it cold morning in manchester
1: poor geez
2: <laughs> um okay i guess we we're pretty much wrapping up do you reckon it's time for our tweet of the week i think it's time for tweet of the week Wonderful. Okay. So our tweet of the week, this episode is from Doggo Kane um, on Twitter. Thank you, Doug, for this. So he has said club cricket was back in Barnsley this weekend. Here's a picture of former Barnsley FC player and current Darfield CC cricketer, John Parkin sanitizing his hands during their game on Saturday. And there is a cracking high res photo of John Parkin <laughs> literally getting the sanitizer on his hands, giving it a squeeze With a big smile. For those listening who don't know, um, you all should. And there's no excuse. John Parkin is a legendary lower league, um, lower league footballer. He is the perennial unit. He embodies. He embodies that. He's six foot. He's he's six foot four, I think. He's a he's a he's tall guy, powerful striker, and he's iconic to any follower. Um, such as i as uh of lower league football i've seen him play against my beloved brentford for preston and he's just a funny bloke and he said he commented which i love that that elevated this the tweet of the week. <laughs> he, he commented on the on that tweet the official john parkin uh account he hasn't got a blue tick yet unfortunately he said day fielding then rained off with four kind of sad faces but kind of squeezed the eyes are squeezed together yeah, that's how sad point. he was um and then another another lad popped up in a reply to John saying worst ever full stop not even a decent tee either and I mean rain and a poor spread
1: that is just point? I mean what's the point of that level of cricket then you know <laughs> you're really gonna hang your boots up after after a couple of days like that what do you reckon he is John Parkin do you reckon he's a he's sort of a number four batsman might turn his arm over or wicketkeeper even Wow, thankfully for us, Dan, I'm so glad you asked this. We did say this in the prep for this
2: podcast. No but way. Ashley <laughs> Porter so I have no idea about this. <laughs> Ashley Porter commented on this thread and said, he looks like he gives it a good thump and a look on Play Cricket, which I guess is a website for, low, for, for, for cricket and stats. Yeah. Um, it supports that. Apparently... <laughs> 30, 322 of the 437 runs he scored on play cricket are boundaries, 76%. Uh, yeah. So he is, I think it's fair to say, a big hitter. Mm. I imagine he comes in about six and just has an absolute heave over Cal Corner. Of course. Um, <laughs> He really is. We can be the um, the Chris Wokes and John Parkin uh, yeah. appreciation podcast. Well,
1: you know, I then mean, I reckon he filled. He just stands at slip, even when a slip is not necessary. He <laughs> yes. would park yes. himself at first slip and just <laughs> chat nonsense to the batsman and the wicketkeeper, and then go home. Um, every I mean, every team has a big lad who stands at first
2: or second slip you know it could be you could be defending a lead of of eight in and over to win the game and you'll still get
1: them just we need a slip lads we need a slip it's doing all sorts out there i mean if someone has sent me that picture of john parkin sanitizing his hands in a cricket field in like january i'd have, I'd have thought they'd lost the plot, but here we are. <laughs> it's sanitization with a big smile. It's just, he's, he's so just, like, about it. it's like he's been sponsored by this this hand sanitizer. He's like, oh, "Look at me, look at this great product here, guys." great to have club cricket back, though, isn't it? Um, and I wonder how uh, Mike Atherton's friend Hugh Jardon got on this week. They didn't, there was no mention of him on on the Sky coverage. <laughs> Lovely. Well, on the note of Hugh Jardon and uh, John Parkin, uh, thanks very much, I really enjoyed that. It's been another great week and and we're back at it on Friday with the cricket. So that means, depending on when the game finishes, we should be speaking to you again uh, on Tuesday next week. Quick, Quick prediction, we got it so right last time, what are we going for this week? I am
2: going for a convincing England win. I think West Indies are going to be really tired. They're going to be a bit disappointed. I think that I really hope that um, a West Indies batsman gets that big score. But I think a comfortable four-day England win, weather permitting.
1: Yes. Uh, and I'm going to go with exactly the same. The weather looks a bit dodgy again, of course, in Manchester. So I think a convincing England win over however many days it requires. Um I can see this, I can see it being pretty similar if we back first putting a bunch of runs on the board and just dictating the game from there. It's gonna be fascinating to see what team they go for. So you know, eagerly look out for that squad announcement on the Thursday and then and then the team announcement on the Friday morning. And you know, it's one one all to play for. It's it's really exciting and it's been a while since we've been waiting a long time for cricket and it really has delivered these past two matches it has it hasn't it's been worth the wait fully and i've missed it so much it's been great so uh thank you so much for listening this has been the second episode of cow corner and we'll see you next week to talk about the third test and hopefully an england win we'll see you then